Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. benefits of fasting and prayer. Before we move on, I want to read out of um, Matthew chapter 6, which uh, yesterday was our our core uh, scripture and will probably be a core scripture for the rest of the week based on uh, what we'll be discussing. You can't talk about fasting and prayer without pretty much opening up to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16, this is what the scripture says in uh, verse 16. Moreover, When you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sound countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who's in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So there's a few things that you can note down here in Matthew chapter 6. Number one is that Jesus makes a contrast, a distinction between doing things with improper motives and doing things with right motives. When you do anything in the scripture with selfish ambition, envy, distortion, any type of uh, uh, impure heart, It will not yield to you the benefits, no matter how great the benefits are, no matter how um, repeated throughout Scripture the benefits may be tied to a specific action that you can take. If your motives are all screwed up, it ain't going to work anything for you. Jesus says there's two types of people. There's hypocrites, and then there's people who do things properly and scripturally. The Bible says when you do things with hypocrisy, it actually yields nothing. Your reward is basically temporal. It might be the accolades of men. Men might applaud you for a little bit. You know, there's people who go around when they're fasting and praying, and uh, they, they like to let everyone know everywhere they go. They love to look miserable. They disfigure their faces, Jesus says, so that they can appear to men to be fasting. They look a little rough and down so that they can incure some sort of comment from others. Hey, how you doing? You you look like you're down. So they they can explode and say, I'm fasting, brother. I'm fasting, sister. And uh, get some sort of applaud from men. Oh, wow, they must be hyper-spiritual. You can fool men, but you can't fool God. Jesus said, when you do things like that, your reward is very, very minimal. You might get somebody to applaud you. You might get people thinking you're a spiritual person. But ultimately, spirituality, spirituality is more than just this ethereal mystical aura that some people perceive or uh, uh, perceive themselves to have or, or, or to be. Spirituality is not, oh, wow, that brother fasts a lot. Oh, wow, that brother prays a lot. Oh, wow, you know, when that guy walks. Spirituality is more. There's a tangible effect to a deep spirituality. There's a, a visible, tangible effect to 
real, deep, scriptural, biblical spirituality. Jesus said, when you're truly spiritual, you're going to fast, you're going to pray, and your reward will be open. It'll be unavoidable, unignorable. Nobody will be able to ignore the fact that you're blessed. So Jesus said, when you fast, your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Nothing we do in scripture is in vain. Nothing we obey from the commands of scripture is in vain. Nothing we do is just to fill time. We don't fast. We don't pray. We don't give just to fill time. We don't do things just to to, um, to tickle our religious funny bones. We don't do things out of religious discipline alone. Although Jesus did say we are to fast, that when the bridegroom's taken away, then in that day they will fast. Although that's very, um, and I talked about it on uh, yesterday's broadcast, our duty to fast basically is Jesus commanded us to fast. It is a a, a, a duty for born-again New Testament believers. It's not just an Old Testament thing. It is a New Testament uh, discipline that believers are to to regularly practice however it is not just the discipline we're not like muslims who do ramadan and we do uh 30 days of six to six fasting and prayer just so that we can we feel bad you know ramadan pretty much is in remembrance of the poor we don't fast in remembrance of the poor that's not the scriptural christian way to fast we're not fasting because there's poor people out there we're fasting for spiritual empowerment so that we can meet the needs of our generation. So that we can meet the needs of people that are around us. Spiritual, physical, financial, material, in any aspect that they might be in need. We, we don't just fast out of religious discipline. We fast because there is a reward and part of that reward and i'll get into it but part of that reward is god makes us spiritually efficient to do what he's called us to do on the earth in our generation and the one of the main things god has called you to do in your generation is to be a blessing to your generation you carry the abrahamic blessing god told abraham go out of your father's house Depart from your relatives, go into the land that I will show you, and you will be, I will bless you there, and you shall be a blessing. Galatians 3 says, you are blessed with believing Abraham. And so, part of the blessing of Abraham is not just so that we have our needs filled and our desires filled, but that we can meet the needs of a broken, bruised, hurting, distorted, confused generation. And I see you doing that in Jesus' mighty name. You will not be a nine-to-five worker that checks in, checks out, and then from five to the rest of the night, you just you know, Netflix and chill. You're going to be someone that is an asset to your generation. You're going to be someone that's going to be used mightily of God to do exploits in your world. People will know about your name, not for the sake of you being famous, but because of what God has wrought through your life in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that for yourself, I want you to put a mighty amen in the comment section. I have to be strong on this because there's people... That, uh, that state that fasting is, uh, is just some mundane thing we do to get, you know, get our new scout badge in heaven. That we're like upping levels by fasting. That we're getting, we're, we're hitting, 
We're hitting new scout levels by fasting. We're trying to garner uh, some sort of respect in the eyes of man by fasting. It has nothing to do with what man sees you as. Fasting primarily is to harness, is a, is a tool God has given us to harness that spiritual deposit that's already in us towards the call and purpose and plan that God's put you on this green earth to fulfill so that you can be someone of, of, of impact in your generation. So let's get in it. Actually, I have a few things I want to say before we get into the 15 benefits of fasting and prayer. By the way, I forgot to say this because we got distracted with the audio stuff. If you would take a second and share this broadcast, click that share button on Facebook. It's very easy. Hit the like button on YouTube. Just smash that like button. If you're on YouTube, you would do a, me a great help and service. If you'll just hit that like button, it will help get this onto YouTube's recommended for you page which will allow more people to see it. And more people seeing it mean more people are being impacted by the word of God and more of this content rather than uh, some of the garbage content that's out there. So help me out. Let's co-labor in the gospel today. Uh, and you, I, I want to thank you for doing that. So let's, let's before I have a few pre, uh, preface thoughts that I want to I uh, address before I get into the 15 benefits of fasting and prayer. Because there's a lot of people, and I talked about this my, uh, very minimally yesterday, but I want to hit on it again. There's people who actually deface fasting and prayer. They actually mock people that do it. They actually talk down about it. They say it's no longer useful in the New Testament. You know, we're in the New Testament. Everything that we can, they got by fasting and prayer in the Old Testament, we can simply get by faith. And although faith, yes, faith, it brings victory and faith can, uh, the Bible says that faith, through faith we obtain promises. Faith can bring in the promise. I don't doubt that. However, there are times where you're believing for something and there's like obstacles or opposition that stand in the way from you and obtaining the promise, obtaining the blessing. And fasting and prayer is actually what clears out those obstacles. Fasting and prayer does not bring faith. You know, those people that say, we don't have to fast and pray. We can just believe God. Well, why did Paul fast and pray? Obviously, Paul thought that fasting was an important part of life because he talks about him being in fastings often. He fasted often. Matter of fact, when he was commissioned into the ministry in Acts chapter 13, the very first thing that they did when commissioning Paul and Barnabas into the ministry was they fasted and prayed and laid hands on Paul and Barnabas. Paul lived a life of fasting and prayer. Are you going to say that Paul didn't understand faith? Are you going to say that Paul didn't have a revelation of grace? Are you going to say that Paul revelation on the subject of faith and the topic of faith was um, insufficient and that's why he was still primitive in his understanding and so he went the fasting route no Paul had such revelation from God that in 2 Corinthians 12 it actually says that because of the high revelations there was given him a thorn in the flesh he had such revelation he had been to paradise he had been in the very throne of God he had direct revelation of Jesus on the road to Damascus he had like a, a five bar Wi-Fi connection and still he thought it necessary to fast and to pray so so you can't say that it was because Paul didn't have faith. Matter of fact, Paul says in Acts 26, I have 
uh, fully believed everything that has been written in the law and the prophets. Paul was a man of faith, and a man of faith still thought it necessary to fast and to pray. Jesus was a faith person. Jesus was like faith incarnate. Jesus was the word and is the word, and he was made flesh to dwell among us. And yet Jesus, the word made flesh, still thought it was necessary to fast and to pray for spiritual empowerment. Fasting does not give you more faith. Fasting does not build your faith, but I'll tell you what fasting does. It removes the carnal nature and the carnal filter, the filter of the flesh that would prohibit faith from operating to its its fullest extent. Fasting does not give you faith. Fasting and prayer does not build your faith. Fasting and prayer neutralizes the very thing that stands between you and the operation, the, the, the potential operation of your faith, which is the filter of your flesh. Fasting and prayer removes that filter and diminishes its power and strength so that you can release that faith without hindrance, without delay, and without obstacle. So what are, when you release your faith in fasting and in prayer, what are the things that you are to expect? What are things that you can set your focus on to expect to uh, manifest in your life? I want to turn to Isaiah 58. And this is the fasting chapter of the Bible. There's no better chapter in the Bible that addresses the subject of fasting uh, out more than Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, verse 3. I want to start off here because God actually rebukes the Israelites at first because of um, how they were fasting and corrects them on their how they should be fasting. And let's get into Isaiah 58, verse 3. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? So they're complaining because we've been fasting and praying for a breakthrough. We've been fasting and praying for certain things. We've been fasting and prayer, praying in light of your promises, and yet we are not seeing the manifestation of what you said would happen. This is what God responds. In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your labors. Indeed, you're fasting for strife and for debate, and you strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. God rebukes them for four reasons. Number one, they were fasting, looking for pleasure. During their fast, they were on the search for other things to like make up in the flesh what they were losing out from not eating. And you have people that do this today. They on a fast, and instead of taking time to pray and press into God, what are they doing? They're out shopping. They shop for four hours a day just to get their mind off things. I'm not against going for a shopping trip here and there when you're fasting. But I mean, if it becomes excessive where you're just shopping and you're just looking through Amazon the entire fast, there's something wrong there. Your eyes should not be fixed on temporal material things during a fast. Your eyes, it should be, your, this time should be a time where there's like a, a heightened intensity in pressing into the things of God. You have people that during their times of fasting and prayer, instead of praying, what are they doing? They're on Netflix. They're going through series. 
Well, I'm not eating. I've got a ex- bunch of extra spare time on my hands. I might as well catch up on uh, that, those episodes of that, that TV show I like. I might as well. I have more time to do this. Might as well just play NHL the rest of the night. Might as well. And they, they, they spend their time doing uh, not necessarily wrong things, but carnal things, when in actual fact, the time that you don't eat during a fast should actually be geared towards reading the Bible, listening to preaching, and praying. Should be doing spiritual things during that time. You're going to find that when you fast and pray, you have a bunch of extra time on your hands. That time's not the time to go out and... and, uh, The Bible says they were looking for pleasure. They were looking for things to fill up their time that brought them some sort of joy and pleasure in the meantime. Now, I'm not against... You know, having your favorite drink when you're fasting. I'm not against doing little things that bring you a little bit of joy. Sometimes when you're fasting, you can get very irritable and very mad. (laughs) And so little things like that, having your favorite beverage, all that is great. But if you're deliberately going out of your way to ignore or neglect the secret place, studying the Word of God, listening to preaching, so that you can fill it up with pleasurable carnal things you've missed the entire point of fasting and prayer and the bible actually says you will fast and god will take no notice number two thing they were doing wrong exploiting their laborers they were exploiting that's great april that's a good thing just sleeping during the fast oversleeping the fast you know being in bed till 1 2 p.m because you're doing six to six so now you just have four hours where you don't have to eat Staying up very late till like 3 because you can eat till 3 a.m. And then waking up at like 2, 2 p.m. in the afternoon. You only have four hours now where you, we don't have to eat. I mean, that's, that, there's no challenge. Fasting should be challenging. Fasting should have an element where it challenges you. Where there is discomfort. I don't know if I can fast. I, I, you know, I, when I get hungry, I get headaches. Yeah, that's the whole point. You got hungry, there's headaches, and those headaches aren't even a bad thing. It's actually your body clearing out the toxins. When you have headaches and extremely bad breath, that's like your body clearing out the toxins. It's your body releasing all the impurities. You know, on average, uh, 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 I think the stats is in America, but on average, an American stores up about four pounds of toxins that come from all, all the, the junk that's in processed foods. Well, when you fast and pray, your system is literally is literally clearing that all of that out. That's why there's the bad breath. That's why there's the headaches. But I'm telling you, the headaches won't last long. They go away. They go away. Two, three days in, and your headaches will go away. And, uh, and, and actually, if you're, if you're doing a liquid fast on a prolonged amount of time... After about 10 days, you won't even have 10 to 12, 13 days. Your, your bad breath will go away. I mean, brush your teeth anyways. But your bad breath, that like repulsive thing, it goes away. Because your body's detoxified itself. You've given your intestinal tract a break. There's some people who have never fasted. Their body has been running. It's like running a computer 24 hours a day for 40 years. The thing's going to burn. Some people's bodies have been running off fumes because they've never taken a break they've never given their body a break that's one of the benefits of fasting and prayer is your body gets a break it gets a break it actually resets three days of fasting and prayer will reset your intestinal system hallelujah we'll get into that when we talk about the physical benefits but reason uh 
Poor motive number two, or thing, thing not to do when you're fasting, is uh, the Israelites were exploiting their laborers. They were conducting their business in crooked fashion. They were practicing deceit while trying to harness God's power and blessing through fasting and prayer. They were screwing their workers over, underpaying their workers, exploiting their laborers, all the while expecting God to bless them for their work in fasting and prayer. No, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you'll reap. You can't be exploiting people, taking advantage of people, conducting your business in crooked fashion, not paying your taxes, all of those things. You know, God said, I have desired mercy and not sacrifice. There's some people who think that they can actually twist God's arm in blessing them through their sacrificial fasting and prayer, even though they're not showing mercy to anybody. These Israelites were not showing any mercy to their laborers, but they were sacrificing them, their, their, their food life. They weren't eating. They were fasting and praying, thinking that my sacrifice will get God to ignore my lack of mercy and compassion, and hopefully God will still hear our prayer. It don't work that way. The Bible says, go and learn this. I have desired mercy and compassion. In Micah, I believe it's chapter 6 and verse 8, it says, what is it that God desires but that we walk justly, humbly before God and with equity before men? So it, you, you can't treat people like garbage during your 21 days of fasting and prayer and think that God's going to take notice of your prayers because you're fasting. No, you're just on a hunger strike at that point and God doesn't care about your hunger strikes. Your fasting and prayer has to be coupled with love for people. Faith worketh by love. Nothing we do in faith, including fasting and prayer, will work unless it's coupled in with love. Love for people, love for God, love for your neighbor, love for the outcast and the downcast. So if you're a person that, you're like, you're a deceiving person. You deceive you, you deceive and exploit people for your own selfish gain, but you think that God's still going to hear your, fasting, your, your prayers while you fast. God said, I will take no notice of you. Number three thing they were doing wrong, fasting for strife and debate. Some were just fasting to prove a point that they were more spiritual and closer to God than others. Some were legit fasting just so that they can, people can perceive themselves as hyper-spiritual people trying to bolster their influence towards others because they were close to God. Matthew 6, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees for the very, first, very same thing. We read it. Don't be as the hypocrites. Don't be as the Pharisees. They love to disfigure their faces to appear to men to be fasting so that they can have some sort of influence because, oh, so-and-so, he's close to God. He always looks miserable because he's always fasting. He, he's always disfigured. He always looks, he, he, he's, he's a fasting man. That man's close to God. That's what they were doing. They were fasting for strife and for debate to prove one from another who was closest in connection to God and his throne. God said, you do it that, if that's your motive in fasting, you will, I will take no notice of what you're doing. And I'll not see, I'll not see your efforts. And then number four, strike with the fist of wickedness. They were living in outright sin. Striking with the fist of wickedness. They were living in sin. They were doing whatever, you know, there was no repentance. There was no, there was no striving for holiness in their life. 
They were just fulfilling the regular desires of their flesh throughout the entire thing. Watching porn, living with a man or a woman that's not your spouse. If you're living with a man or a woman that's not your spouse and you're fasting and praying, you might as well just eat. You might as well just eat. If you're cheating on your taxes and you're fasting and praying for your business to explode this year, you might as well just eat. You know, when Jesus was fasting and praying and the devil came to tempt him. See, that's the thing. When you fast and pray, you just irritated your flesh real bad. Your carnal man is going to rise up. And that's where temptation, especially at the beginning, is going to be very strong. It's going to be very strong. But that's the opportunity God gives you now through the Spirit to overpower and overcome those temptations. Jesus overcame every temptation. The, the, I, the temptation of the lust of the eyes, the temptation of the lust of the flesh, and the temptation of the boastful pride of life. He overcame them all through his fast, during his fast. If you're just going to indulge in temptation and indulge in the lust of the flesh through it all, you might as well just eat. Make this a time, and we're going to get into it. One of the benefits of fasting and prayer is God will give you power not just to overcome something once, but lasting victory in every area of sin. So let's get through it. 15 benefits of fasting and prayer listed from Isaiah 58. I'm going to read it in its entirety, and then we're going to go line by line. Verse 5. Is it, uh, verse 6, sorry. Is this not the fast that I've chosen? So this is God's chosen fast. This is the fast God has chosen. This is the fast that God desires or the benefits of fasting that God desires to manifest in your life throughout these 21 days. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh, then shall your light break forth like the morning and your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer you you will cry, and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You'll be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters will not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You will raise up the foundations of many generations. You will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Verse 14. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high places of the earth and feed you with the heritage, hallelujah, of your father, of Jacob, your father, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So that's not the mouth of some 
modern day preacher that listed all those things. That's not even Isaiah penning his own thoughts as to what he thinks fasting and prayer yields. This is the mouth of the Lord that lists it out here, and I've written down 15 benefits that you can expect to receive as you fast and pray with pure motives. Number one, benefit of fasting and prayer, to loose the bonds of wickedness. Fasting will break spiritual bondage off of people, families, nations, and generations. Spiritual bondage, to loose the bonds of wickedness. The devil is wicked, and he seeks to enslave and entangle and make slaves of men. Bible says he is the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Life is not fleshly and carnal. Life is spiritual. There are spiritual forces, oppositions, that are arrayed against your advancement. And they hold people back by lassoing around people's necks yokes and bonds of wickedness, bondage, spiritual bondage, addictions, afflictions, bad habits that keep people down in life. Things you can't break free from. Those things have a spiritual root. They're not, Paul said, though we walk in flesh and, in, and, and, and we're carnal beings, our opposition is not in the flesh. He says, though we war, Though we walk according to the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. In Ephesians 6 and verse 12, it says our, 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 our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places that keep people bound by the bonds of wickedness. Fasting and prayer is what allows you to harness the Holy Ghost deposit on the inside of you in the direction of those bondages so as to have them snap off your life once and for all. The devil doesn't respond to medication. The devil doesn't respond to natural therapies. The devil doesn't respond to carnal means and methods. The devil only understands one language and that is the language of spiritual power. And in fasting and prayers where you harness that spiritual power to deal with your spiritual enemy, that is the devil, who is the true source of every addiction and bondage. Drug, you know, you look at a, a heroin addict. There's, if you're addicted to drugs or you know people addicted to drugs, I want to encourage you right now. And you, when you fast and pray and you have them on, on that list, and you're believing God for them to be loosed from the bonds of wickedness. You can expect it to happen. Those people, you know, you have a relative that's hooked on fentanyl or hooked on heroin. They don't want to do it anymore. You ask them, you sit them down. And if you can get them in a the right frame of mind and you ask them, would you like to continue this or come out of this once and for all? Every one of them will say, I'm done. I I've wanted to stop for years. They go to rehab. They go to therapy. They do everything they know to do to try and break it. But there's a spiritual root to those things. There's like, if you could see it in the spirit, there's a, las a, a rope lassoed around their neck that's tugging them in the direction of those drugs. They want to stop. 
They desire, they're eager to stop. Few, I mean, I'm sure they get even irritated how many times they have people tell them, you need to stop doing that. I've tried. There's something, there's an irresistible urge on the inside of them that pushes them in the direction of those drugs. And so the way to defeat that thing, the way to break the bond of wickedness that's held them down is through fasting and prayer. I believe there are people that are watching me right now. You're believing God for a loved one, friend, family, relative that's tied down by drug addiction, fentanyl addiction. They've even had near-death experiences, been hospitalized because of overdose. In the name of Jesus Christ, through this fast, as you've engaged God through fasting and prayer, I, I, this year in Jesus' name, expect those bonds of wickedness to snap off their life. Not only will they be free, they will come into the kingdom of God and they will give God the glory for the freedom that they've experienced and their life will be a living billboard to the goodness of God, testifying to this new generation that our God is alive and mighty to save in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. 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 I talked about breaking spiritual bondage off people, but you could even break spiritual bondage off, family, off, off of, of, of families and nations. Nations, regions, cities. Esther fasted three days. Not water, not food entered into her mouth for three days. And the Bible says, if you read the book of Esther, the plot of Haman to eradicate, annihilate, exterminate the Jews that were on the earth during Esther's day was derailed his plot came to nothing the bitch that he dug up for the Jews to fall in was inhabited for, by himself as for Esther and the Jews they came out through the safe way and it was a great victory for the Jewish people in that day this depravity of your nation the state that your nation's in whatever nation you're from drug overdose at an all-time high suicide at an all-time high LGBT communities parading in the streets. All kinds of wickedness manifesting on a national level. You can either choose to complain about it and write a blog about it and diary about it and all, and all that. Or you can take the biblical step of fasting and prayer and believe God that he'll break the bonds of wickedness off your nation and every demonic plotting against your nation to cripple its economy, to cripple the families in the nation. You know, that's the biggest plot the devil has for a nation. It is to get the man and the woman, the mother and the father, broken up, separated, men out of the home so as to break, to break apart the biblical order of a family because a nation is only as strong as its independent families. And if the families are not strong, the nation will crumble. That's what you're seeing in Canada and the United States. An attack against the natural order of a family. Where children are not growing up with a mom and a dad anymore. It's the state, it's the government that's raising most of the people's kids. And teaching them, indoctrinating them with all kinds of wicked agenda. That plot is to crumble the family within a nation. Because if the family crumbles, so goes, as the family goes, so goes the nation. So when we're praying and fasting for the bonds of wickedness, we're praying and fasting that the strategies the devil has used to try and cripple our nations is broken and loosed. That he won't get his way. 
Someone said, does this work for marriages? Absolutely, Lisa. Absolutely it works for me. I'm glad, glad you, broke, you brought that up. There's some people who have marriages where they don't even know why they fight anymore. They, they're just, there's just this atmosphere in the home where it's conducive for bickering and fighting. And for years, you, have, you don't even know why. There's things that didn't irritate you before about your spouse, and now all of a sudden it irritates you tremendously. That's a demonic bondage in your home. And during your time of fasting and prayer, you should target. I'm telling you, there's something that's going to snap off your home, Lisa, and those that are believing God for a, a successful marriage. There's something that's going to snap off your home as you fast and pray. There's like a, an, an, an atmosphere of darkness that has invaded and perverted your home that's just going to evaporate, snap off. The devil's not going to have an inch in your house anymore. Maybe you have a spouse that every time they come home from work, they're just looking to fight. That's a demon. There's a, there's a demon. There's no other way to explain it. There's a demon. There's a demonic spirit at work trying to, what Matt, you know, what God brought together, God said, let no man put asunder. Let no man separate. So anything that's trying to separate a holy matrimony is demonic in its origin. And in the name of Jesus Christ, any blueprint that the devil has drawn up targeting your marriage is burnt up by fire today in Jesus' name. Number one, fasting and prayer will loose the bonds of wickedness. Number two, fasting and prayer will undo heavy burdens. Fasting and prayer can break the cycle of depression and anxiety in your life. The Bible says that a broken spirit drieth up the bones. Isaiah 58 says to undo heavy burdens. When you dry bones, heavy burdens, lifeless movement. Some people are like walking dead. They're just zombies. There's nothing, there's no, no, nothing they feel in their heart. They're burdened down by depression, burdened down by anxiety, burdened down by the pressures of life. They feel like they're suffocating under the pillow and the enemy is the one that's pressing down. Fasting and prayer can break that cycle in your life. Life doesn't have to be a drudgery. Life was never meant to be a drudgery. God, God did not create you for depression. God did not create you to walk through life aimlessly Wishing you were dead. God did not create you to be a nervous wreck your entire life. Just worrying about everything. Anxiety prone. Every little thing gets you wired. God, God didn't create you for that. The Bible says, he that believeth will not make haste. Meaning, he won't worry. Matter of fact, Jesus said, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your clothing, what you'll put on. Life's more than clothing. And he said, I'll take good care of you. But when someone's constantly like wired to be stressed out, and then there's people with genuine anxiety disorders. That's what I had. I had an anxiety disorder. I had obsessive compulsive disorder. I was programmed to be worried all the time. When I got saved, the OCD snapped off my life. I didn't have obsessive compulsive over uh, uh, you know, if you know my testimony, it was two months after I got saved, I heard about healing, and that's when I, the OCD snapped off my life. I, didn't, I don't have it anymore. However, for several months after the OCD was gone, my brain was still wired to think 
with anxiety and I had to renew my mind according to the word of God. And in the process of that, I began to fast and pray. And as I fasted and prayed, all the heavy burdens that those thoughts that I had developed throughout the years of obsessive compulsive disorder, every single one of them lifted off my life. And fasting and prayer genuinely undid the heavy burdens that I felt in life. The Bible says in Acts chapter, in Isaiah 10, 27, the Bible says that the anointing will lift up the heavy burden and destroy the yoke of captivity. Destroy the yoke of captivity. Matthew 10, or Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus said, come to me all that are weary and heavy laden. Jesus, the anointed one, is calling to you today, saying, come to me if you're heavy laden, because the anointing that I have is going to lift up the heavy burden and give you the freedom that you so desire. Life might have begun. Maybe it's genetic. Maybe your family has always been depressed and there's this generational thing that's passed down. It's going to end with you in Jesus' mighty name. The anointing, the Bible says, undoes the heavy burdens, lets the oppressed go free, releases the captives. And those who go about mourning, the Bible says, will receive the oil of joy and gladness. The oil of joy and gladness. When you fast, this is why it undoes the heavy burdens. When you fast, you're drawing near to God. And God said, if you'll draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And when God draws near, he comes with an entourage. In his presence is what? Fullness of joy. At his right hand, pleasures forevermore. Hallelujah. I prophesy in the name of Jesus Christ. The unpleasantries of your life, the pressures of your life are being converted into pleasures and into joy unspeakable and full of glory. Fullness of joy, the Bible says, is in the presence of God. And as you draw near to God through these days of fasting and prayer, God will draw near to you in the fullness of joy. Jesus said, my joy give I unto thee. All the heaviness of depression is lifting off your life in Jesus' name. The last time you battle depression will be the last time you battle depression. You're coming out with permanent deliverance from this thing. Whether the devil likes it or not, he has lost you for good. You are coming out of the grip of the evil one and joy and everlasting gladness will be on your head forever and ever. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Number three, benefit to fasting and prayer. To let the oppressed go free. Fasting and prayer can destroy demonic oppression. Acts 10.38, you know of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Jesus, anointed by the Holy Ghost and power, went about doing good, healing all who were what? Oppressed by the devil. Fasting and prayer can destroy demonic oppression. What are examples of demonic oppression? oppression one sickness is a demonic oppression you know jesus was the anointing on the go if you want to say jesus was the anointing on the go and everywhere he went he healed everyone of their sickness and disease there's never a case where someone came to him in faith where he said no it's not my time every single case he voted favorably 
for them. He healed the sick, he cleansed the lepers, he raised the dead, and he delivered the demonically captive, uh, those that were demonically possessed or oppressed. The Bible says that part of the benefits of fasting and prayer is that it will destroy any demonic oppression on your own life, whether it be physical, whether it be spiritual, or whether it be emotional. Emotional oppression. We talked about it briefly in the last point. Depression, anxiety, uh, mental disorders. Those are oppressions of the devil. It's the devil that has sown a seed in the mind. And that seed has grown and it's developed into a mental illness. But the root of it is a demonic seed. Fasting and prayer will cause God's hand to reach deep down into that brain of yours and uproot the demonic seed and in its place put heavenly seeds. You see examples of Jesus in Jesus' ministry of Jesus delivering the oppressed. Luke 4, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to set free those that are oppressed. Well, what did you see Jesus do? He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He encouraged those like that woman at the well who was uh, beaten down by life. Life had taken her for a ride. She was oppressed. And one interaction, one encounter with Jesus and her whole tune, her tune changed. There was a genuine repentance in her life. Her tune changed. She was a joyful person again. She found the joy of her youth again. Fasting and prayer will tune you in to the anointing of God, which the Bible says will lift up Lift off your life every oppression. And then it goes on a step further and says, destroy the yoke of captivity, which leads me to point number four. Fasting and prayer, benefit number four, to destroy the yoke. Fasting and prayer will invoke the anointing of God to snap the yoke of the devil off your neck. What is a yoke? A yoke is a device they used to use in farming that would go against the neck and the shoulders of an animal in order to steer that animal, that beast, oftentimes oxen, in the right direction. They would put a yoke, they call it a yoke of oxen. They would put the yoke on the oxen so that even though the human was, now think of this, think of this. The human directing the oxen is nowhere near as strong as the actual oxen. But because of this device called a yoke, the human, even a woman that was very frail, a very tiny five foot one, 100 and five pound woman would be able to steer that yoke of oxen in the direction she intends it to go in. Think of it this way. The Bible calls you, in Psalm 92, the anointed of the Lord. And the Bible says, he shall strengthen you like an oxen, like a wild ox. The anointing makes you as strong as an ox. But through ignorance... Oftentimes, Christians are subject to the devil by the yokes that he lays on them. And though the devil is nowhere near as strong as the anointed believer, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, though he's nowhere near as strong, he uses these cloak devices called yokes to enslave men to his habits and his desires and his plans for their life. I think light bulbs are coming on right now. It doesn't take a strong human being to direct a yoke of oxen. It just takes the yoke, the device that is there, the tool necessary 
to steer that yoke of oxen in the right direction. The devil's not stronger than you. But if you allow a yoke to come on your neck through ignorance, unbelief, sin, whatever, the devil then is in charge. And though he's not as strong as you, he can, he can take control and have dominion over you. But the Bible doesn't say the devil has a legal right to have dominion over you. He's never had a legal right to have dominion over mankind. The Bible says in Genesis, God told Adam that you are to be blessed, fruitful, and multiply and have dominion over all the things on the earth, including that sneaky snake that weaseled himself into that garden. Adam and Eve had dominion over it, but he put a yoke on them, a yoke called sin, because he allowed them to believe, he got them to believe something that was untrue. The devil, unfortunately, to this day, is still the deceiver, the deceiver, the father of lies, and he gets Christians who have good intentions, good heart, desire to serve God, gets them to believe wrong things about themselves and about God, and in so doing, they themselves legally, though it's an illegal trespass of the devil, they allow the enemy to come in and place a yoke of oxen on a yoke on them. And so in so doing, he has them captive. He has them in control. The Bible says when you fast and pray, it'll actually snap the yoke to destroy the yoke. Is this not the fast that I've chosen to destroy the yoke? God does not desire for you to have any yoke. The devil does not have any legal right to have control over what you do, what you think, where you go. He's under your feet. Sin has no ability to control you. Oh, I just don't know how to stop sinning. I don't know how to break free from this. Sin is a yoke. It's talked about in the scriptures as a yoke, the yoke of sin. Sin in the New Testament, the, the New Testament believer has dominion over sin and not the other way around. So quit giving excuses as to why you can't stop sinning, can't stop watching porn, can't stop drinking, can't stop having outbursts of wrath, can't stop being envious, can't. Don't give excuses. Embark on a time, in a time of fasting and prayer and see God target your prayers towards that yoke of captivity and see God yank that yoke off your life and you walk in to the freedom that you one time thought was impossible any addiction habit or sin that you're controlled by you become a sin a slave to that thing the bible says the new testament believer is a slave to christ and nobody else you're not a slave to sin anymore sin has no legal right to stay on you and control you i'm a slave to righteousness i'm a slave to christ therefore any yoke the enemy's laid on me to try and control my movement, control my thought, control my direction in life, it comes off my life today in Jesus' mighty name. Get tired of it. You know, the Bible says it shall come to pass when you become restless that the yoke shall come off thy shoulders, that the yoke shall break off thy shoulders. You have to become restless. Quit allowing the devil to stay. He's overstayed his welcome. Get restless today. You've overstayed. You're like that relative that didn't go home at Christmas time. Go home. You've overstayed your time in my house. You have no legal right to remain one more hour. Fasting and prayer destroys the yoke. Number five, benefit of fasting and prayer. Your light shall break forth. Fasting and prayer gives you unhindered access to revelation of God's word. What is light? The Bible says thy word is a light, a lamp to our path and a light to our feet. 
a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. So the word of God, oftentimes in the Bible, is referred to as light. The light. The Bible says the entrance of his word brings light and gives understanding to the simple. So it's not just reading the Bible. That's not what light is. It's reading and understanding the Bible. That is, uh, that's what light is. Light connotes the reading and understanding of the Holy Scriptures. The Bible says when you fast and pray, your spiritual ability to perceive spiritual truths will be heightened. Remember in 1 Corinthians 2, the Bible says that the natural man understands not the things of the Spirit of God. Well, that natural, that carnal thing, that carnal fleshly nature, when you fast and pray, is neutralized. So the very thing that would stand in between you and understanding God's word is taken out of the way so that now you can easily and freely receive revelation knowledge from the word of God. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1, 15 through 17, the Bible says, I pray the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of glory, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. So he's saying that God's spirit is the spirit of wisdom and revelation that when you receive him, he enlightens, illuminates your understanding to know what is the hope of his calling, what God's called you to do. There's many times people embark in fasting and prayer, and all of a sudden, the plan of God for their life becomes very clear. Fasting and prayer gives you five bars on your Wi-Fi connection to heaven. Fasting and prayer will crank up the volume knob to hear God's voice clearly to receive God's counsel clearly from his word. It breaks the carnal filter of the flesh off your life and heightens your spiritual sensitivity to perceive what God is saying. It gives you unhindered revelation of the word of God. Remember, there's logos and there's rhema. The logos of the word is the pure information of the word. There's people who don't know who don't know Jesus intimately, who are not saved, neither born again nor on their way to heaven, and yet they have the logos in their mind. They know Jesus died, rose again. They understand these things. They might not believe them, but they know the logos of the word. They know the information of the word. The logos of the word will not do you much. It is the rhema of the word that quickens you and brings uh, benefit to you know in what you know. The Bible says that it is the rhema, the quickened word of God that gives life. My spirit is, is um, the Bible says my spirit is life and it quickens you. The flesh profit nothing. My spirit, these words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. They are rhema and they are life. My, the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and active, quick and active. It's living and powerful. There's people who receive the logos of the word every single week at church. Nothing gets through their noggin. That's essentially what Jesus was saying in the parable of the seed and the sower. He said there's one, the, the, the soil, that's the wayside, receives the seed but does nothing. The shallow soil receives the seed but it does nothing. The soil that's uh, layered with thorns and thistles. It receives the seed, but it does nothing. But then there's the fertile, the fertile soil. 
that receives the seed and indeed with understanding, Jesus says, and bears fruit. It's only when understanding of the word of God comes in place that you're now empowered and enabled to bear fruit with what you know. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That know, that word know is not just having uh, a superficial knowledge of. It's an intimate acquaintance with the truth. When you fast and pray, you intimately acquaint yourself with the truth of God's word. And the scripture says that the truth will set you free. Their light shall break forth. Things you didn't understand in the word before, all of a sudden, you understand. Light breaking forth. I've gone on times of fasting and prayer where all of a sudden the Lord downloads all kinds of stuff that I missed in the word of God. That's one of the things. I don't just fast and pray to receive answers from God in prayer. I fast and pray for light. I fast and pray for light from God's word, understanding from God's word, revelation knowledge of God's word. I'm fasting. You should do this this time of fasting and prayer. Do something different this time. Go on an adventure that you're, that you're, and, and make a decision that you're going to fast and pray for spiritual revelation of God's word. You're fasting and praying for light. God, show me in this book what I need for success in life. Show me what in this book what I need to live a victorious Christian life. Show me in this book what I need to become effective in evangelism. Show me in this book what I need to be effective in my business. Show me in this book what I need to know that would give me access into the surpassing greatness of your power. Hallelujah. Number five, your light shall break forth. Number six, benefit of fasting and prayer. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Fasting and prayer taps you into God's healing process. You can receive healing by faith, and fi but faith is released in several different ways. You can release your faith in God's word alone. The centurion, just say the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus said, I've not found such great faith, not, not in all of Israel. And the man's servant was healed. You can release your faith when people lay hands on you. The Bible says in James chapter 5, that um, let the, the one who is sick call for the elders of the church and let them lay hands on them, praying the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Mark 16, they shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. That's one of the ways we can release our faith for healing. You can release your faith uh, for God's healing power in your body by putting uh, handkerchiefs, aprons, cloths that were anointed by someone who prayed over it. I've seen this happen in my own ministry. Paul had it happen in his ministry in Acts chapter 19, verse 11. God worked extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to those that were sick and the sick were healed. You can release your faith as such. There's the anointing with oil. James 5 again, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the Lord will save the sick. But another method of, of uh, kicking that healing process into motion, scripturally, is fasting and prayer. Verse 8, Isaiah 58, then your healing shall spring forth speedily. Now there's the natural healing that takes place during times of fasting and prayer. I talked about it before, the detoxification of your system your intestinal gut lining, everything being cleared out, especially if you're just on a water fast. It's very, very healthy, very good for you. Three days of fasting and prayer on water only will kickstart your entire intestinal tract, give you a brand new system. It, it reboots you. That's not just me. There's medical documentation of this. 
They're just catching up to what the Bible already said would happen 780 years before Jesus Christ ever even walked the earth. That's 780 BC, Isaiah's penning these words down. Science has always caught up with the Bible. So there's the natural process of healing, but then there's a supernatural healing God can do in your body as you fast and pray. Now I know some people, they can't fast 21 days, just water because of what they have. But I'm telling you, test, you know, there's some people who say, I can't fast because I have a, a physical problem and it'd be unwise to fast. If the doctor said we need to do blood tests on you, you need to not eat for the next 24 hours, what would you do? You would not eat. You wouldn't eat. Obviously, talk to your doctor, whatever. But there, there's doctors who will tell people who have serious issues, don't eat for the next 24 hours. We have to do an x-ray. We have to do a CAT scan. We have to do tests on your blood, whatever. And they do it because a doctor said to do it. Well, God said, if you fast, your healing will spring forth spiritually. The fast you do for a blood test ain't going to heal you. I'm not, now, I'm not saying go on a 40-day fast. But I'm saying there's always something you can do. Even if you skip a meal. Even if you just do a 6-6 six to six fast. Even if you just skip a meal or skip two meals a day. Whatever. There's always something you can do. And the, the scriptural promise that God has given us that we should expect is as we do that if you need healing in your body set your scope as I fast as I pray God's gonna reboot my system not by might not by power but by the spirit of the living God in Jesus name number seven benefit to fasting and prayer the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard fasting and prayer produces a 360 degree shield covering even your blind spots if you notice, the, the armor of God is all about the front of, your, of the man, but the rear is exposed. The Bible says when you fast and pray, the glory of God covers your rear, covers your rear guard. It's, the Bible says it's your rear guard. It covers you 300, it encompasses you all around. Hallelujah. The glory of the Lord. You know what that tells you? Whatever scheme the enemy has devised behind the scenes that you don't even know about, for him to get to you, he's going to have to get through the glory of the Lord. And there's no devil that can pierce through and penetrate the glory of the Lord. Light cannot dwell with darkness. Darkness, the Bible says that light shines out darkness and darkness can't do anything about it. it fasting and prayer will produce a holy protective barrier around you. Hallelujah. That even things that would have blindsided you fail. I prophesy in Jesus' name, every tactic and strategy of the devil that you know don't, you don't even know about, things that have been devised behind closed doors, people that have gotten together like they did in Daniel's day to try and rip the rug from under your feet, all of those efforts will be in vain. Just like Haman, the very weapon that he tried to use to... to um, eliminate every Jewish person on the earth. That very weapon was used against Haman. Every weapon that the devil has concocted in hell, every weapon that's been formed against you, weapons you know about, weapons you don't even know about, they shall not prosper in Jesus' mighty name. Every tongue that's risen up against you, it shall fail. Everything that's been talked about behind closed doors, Plans and strategies to knock you down this year. You will be found standing and the devil will be found crying by the end of this year. In Jesus' mighty name, nothing he produces will ever work on you. 
in Jesus' mighty name. Because the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Hallelujah. Ooh, hallelujah. God says here that fasting and prayer does something in your life so that you'll never be blindsided again. You don't have to live life. You're just take it as it comes. You don't have to. You don't have to ever be blindsided again. That'll be your story in Jesus' name. Number eight, you shall call and the Lord will answer you. Isaiah 58 verse 9, you shall call and the Lord will answer. You will cry out and God will say, here I am. Fasting and prayer will expedite answers to your prayers. Daniel shows us in Daniel chapter 10 that sometimes when you pray, there can be spiritual opposition that clogs up the pipe that would funnel in the answer to your life. There was the demon prince over the air of Persia that withstood Gabriel from, from bringing the answer to Daniel. When he got to Daniel, he said, from the very first day that you opened up your mouth to pray, I was sent in response to your words. But the demon prince over the air of Asia and Persia withheld me these 21 days. But Daniel fasted and prayed throughout those 21 days and it sent heavenly reinforcements so that Gabriel can be untied and get to Daniel with the message that he needed to hear. Fasting and prayer will unclog any obstacle that stands in the way of you and your prayers being answered. Anything that you pray for that's delayed, anything that you pray for that your hope has been waning, you're giving up, you feel like God's not hearing you, embark on a fast for it and see how quickly things change. Anything you've been asking and believing God for that it seems like it's been years and you haven't seen it happen, that's not normal. It shouldn't be years and you don't see things happen. There should be at least some progress in the direction of that thing flourishing. God's not a God of delay. God, if you study scripture, God is actually a quick acting God. He's a quick acting God. Oftentimes it's man that's too slow for him. God's a quick acting God. And so when you, think, when you see things you're praying for and it's, it, there's extreme delay. I'm not saying you prayed for something and four days later you haven't had it, you're going to give up. I'm talking about there's extreme delay. You're believing God for a spouse. You're, you're 40 years old now and you still haven't had a spouse come your way. That's extreme delay. Embark on a fast with scripture in hand. And I'm going to talk about in these daytime sessions that I'm going to be doing throughout uh, this week. I'm going to talk about prayer and how to pray and uh, the, the, the proper the proper blueprint, if you can say, blueprint for prayer. We're going to talk about how to pray and, and what you need to know while you pray and how, you know, scriptural patterns and ways to approach God with your requests. We're going to go through that. Keys to answer prayers. However, you can do everything right and still have things clogged up, still have things uh, delayed, still have things not manifesting. Like I said, if you're believing God for a spouse and you're 40 years old now and you still don't have it, there's, some, there's something wrong there. There's something wrong there. Fast and pray and see God how quickly things will turn around. I remember I was praying for open doors in the ministry. God, I need you to open up doors to preach. I, I want to preach. I, I'm getting all this stuff, downloads from the word. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm fired up. Nothing was opening up. I decided to do, my wife and I, we did uh, four, 21 days of fasting and prayer in 2015 or 16, we prayed, fasted for 21 days. Ever since then, it's been like, 
this was my prayer. I remember, God, every door that I walk through, let there have like, let it be like a compound effect that every door I walk through, that ten other doors would open up. And ever since then, every door I've walked through, it's been like ten other doors opened up through word of mouth. I've never called anybody. I've never cold called a pastor. I refuse to do that. Just by fasting and praying for breakthrough in the ministry, those things happen. It expedited the answers to my prayer. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. If the door is not open, you're not finding and you're not receiving and it's been years and you haven't tried this out in fasting and prayer, it'd be worth doing. Fasting and prayer, it will release a spiritual bulldozer to clear out any wall, opposition, or obstacle that stands between you and the desire of your heart. Number nine, benefit to fasting and prayer. The Lord will guide you continually. That's in uh, Isaiah 58 and verse 11. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. In the book of Ezra, chapter 8 and verse 21, this is what the Bible says. Then I proclaimed the fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us, for our little ones, and for all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help against the enemy on the road, because we had spoken to the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and wrath against those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayers. Number nine, the Lord will guide you continually. Fasting and prayer will engender divine direction for your life. I'm going to stop right here because I'm going to do, I'm going to keep this one for tomorrow. Uh, it's already, I wanted to keep this to an hour every session. It's an hour and 15 already. I've done eight today. So a little over half. We'll do the other half tomorrow. So tune in tomorrow. But uh, tomorrow is going to be pretty much 80% of the broadcast will be directed towards divine direction through fasting and prayer. So I gave you a little taste there with that scripture. It was like a teaser. It was unintentional, but I did it. But I, wanna, I want to, uh, given these first eight that we've done. So the first eight, fasting and prayer, number one, will break spiritual bondage off people, family, nations, and generations. Two, fasting and prayer will break the cycle of depression and undo heavy burdens in your life. Number three, fasting and prayer will destroy demonic oppression in your life. Number four, fasting and prayer will invoke the anointing of God to snap off the yoke of captivity from your life. Number five, fasting and prayer will give you unhindered access to the revelation of God's word. Number six, fasting and prayer will tap you into God's healing process uh, for your physical body. Number seven, fasting and prayer will produce a 360 degree shield covering even your blind spots so that you're never caught off guard. Number eight, fasting and prayer will expedite answers to your prayers. It'll quicken answered prayer in your life. Remember, the Bible says in Luke chapter 18, nevertheless, when speaking of the widow who persisted and asked the unjust judge constantly, day and night, for justice from her adversary, Jesus said, hear what the unjust judge has said, and will not the God of all the earth avenge his own elect? I tell you the truth, he will answer them speedily. God desires to answer you speedily. When that answer doesn't come speedily, you can know there's something clogging it up. Fasting and prayer 
is like spiritual Drano. <laughs> Unclogs all the pipes so that the, the ant... Remember, we just said, while you're still crying out, I'll say, here I am. Hallelujah. You shall call to me and I will answer you. There's no, there's no uncertainty in those terms. There's certain terms. You shall call and I will answer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray. Some of you that are doing the 21 days with me, I pray that by week one's end, by next Monday, by next Sunday, you'll already have, if you have a list, which by the way, I would recommend writing down a list of things you're believing God for, of at least five to 10 things for the year. I pray that like 50% of those things by, by next week are already, like you hear the bones rattling. Already things are shifting. You can already tell there's, there's, it's running in a direction of what you've seen in your spirit that it'll go. I pray that, I pray that by the time this fast is over, you'll have to like put out a new list because everything you were praying and fasting for has already come to pass. Remember God said there's a class of people that before they even call, I'll answer them. That's how quick, that's how eager God is in desiring to answer your praise. Before you even call, I'll answer you. Hallelujah. I pray that by the end of this fast, you'll have to write up a whole new list for 2023 because it's already been dealt with. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray that open doors will come your way. Some of you are, I feel this in my spirit. You're believing God for open doors of business, open doors in ministry. I feel like there's a minister that's watching right now. You're believing God as you fast and pray for doors to open up uh, for preaching. God's going to open up doors to preach. By the end of this fast, you'll get a call from, pastor, from a pastor out of nowhere. I heard about you through this and that. Would you care coming to preach? Even if it's a youth meeting or whatever, it'll be an open door. And I, I'm telling you, give it all you've got. Let it rip. And you'll see how that one door God opens will actually have a compound effect. It'll open up more doors. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.